Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Chris and the guys at Greenview Construction LLC are a firm offering professional services in design and, of course, construction. And they are proud to announce that they've completed design and 3D renderings for two-spec home models located in the Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens area, sitting on over one-acre lots. Now, they've got four lots available for these model homes. The first is a British West Indies model style, totaling just over 4,500 square foot, air-conditioned space, five bedrooms, five bathrooms, and they boast 16-foot ceilings in some areas. The second, more traditional style home, 3,100 square foot, air-conditioned space, four bedrooms and four baths. They boast 14-foot ceilings in some areas both models will have a free-flowing layouts that connect the kitchen the family room living room library i mean library a den an outdoor lanai and both models will have an option to add a detached in-law suite if you really want the in-laws to move in and a garage totaling an additional 1000 square foot you can visit chris and the team online at www.greenviewconstruction.com you can email chris tyson that's c tyson as in mike tyson c tyson at greenviewconstruction.com or you can call 561-727-5013 they're also on facebook they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. Just look for Greenview Construction. And if that wasn't enough, they have an appointment-only showroom at 715 Commerce Way West, Suite 14 in Jupiter, Florida. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage? Looking for a reputable, fully licensed, insured, and certified contractor? Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. With over 62 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and Eric and their team is prepared to handle any size disaster. The guys are born and raised in South Florida, so changing the narrative on the way contractors conduct business in South Florida is extremely important to them. Their objective is to make cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed building contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There's no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle it all for you. Call or text them anytime at 561-408-7835 for immediate assistance. The number again, 561-408-7835. Water Cleanup of Florida. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F I V E 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on a welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. 
Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is not here, but he could be around later on in the show. But first, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code 5RSN. Get 20% off your entire order. Hello, Simon. Draft is over. It is. How are you? How was, how was Las Vegas? Ah, Las Vegas was, was awesome. It looked like an NFL pro shop threw up all over the city, though. Uh-huh. So as soon as you got off the plane, it was NFL logo left, NFL logos right. It was uh, everybody getting off of a plane or coming out of a, a hotel casino was, was wearing NFL gear, jerseys. Uh, I did my own amateur count, and obviously, you know, the Raiders were going to win their the jersey count. But I felt the Denver Broncos were the best represented fan base there, besides wow. the Raiders. Well, I mean, I'm always amazed at how well NFL fans travel generally across what is a massive country. So, yeah, kind of shocked me. There was, the, I mean, there always seems to be a, a veritable plethora of different jerseys at games. So. Yeah, it's um, it was good. It looked good. I mean, I always prefer it when it's indoors, and I, I prefer the like the, the the crew to be indoors, like the NFL Network crew to be inside. But you know, I, I get that it's you know it's a theatre production rather than a you know it's even gone beyond a TV show now, isn't it? I mean, it's a proper <laughs> yeah, proper. yeah. It's it's a it's a whole thing. It's a complete production, and the NFL the NFL did a great job with it as always, and they really really took care of us. Uh, I, I must say, except for I, I did damage my voice severely uh, as I had to be screaming into the microphone because I had a giant speaker behind my head, and the presenters were screaming into the microphone, so my my ears were blown out basically for the better part of about three hours on, on, on what was it Friday? So, but it was a blast and Las Vegas did such a good job with it that they're going to get the Super Bowl in a couple of years and they're going to get a lot of these events. And it was so easy. It was so easy for the fans because, you know, there's a monorail that runs through the casinos from one end of the strip to about halfway through the strip. And that's where the, they had the, the stage. So, you know, it was really, really easy. It was it was easy to get around, you know. And you're right. Uh, as far as people traveling, uh, the NFL put it at their notes said 103,000 travelers showed up there for the draft. Wow. Which is something, right? It is something. So how did you experience that first round? Because I'll tell you how I experienced it, and then I guess you could go, okay? The New York Jets, in my opinion, they didn't get the best player at every single position, but I think they got top three guys. They got a top three guy at every single uh, spot they drafted in the first, I would say, first four picks. I thought they had as good a draft. And again, again, I'm saying, you know, uh, uh, Sauce Gardner is not was not my favorite cornerback, but I had him in my top three. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, same. Brees Hall, same. Uh the, the the wide receiver Wilson the same. I feel they had as good a draft as I can ever remember. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think they drafted. I think they drafted well. I don't, you know, it's it's always difficult, isn't it? When you, I, I find evaluating drafts the day after the draft just so ridiculous. It's just you know grading. I mean, history is littered with terrible. Um, day after Monday morning quarterback type reactions to to the draft, you know, 
I didn't love Source Gardener, but um, you know, clearly that's what they're after. Long press corner. I don't love Garrett Wilson, uh, but you know, he certainly gives them options. I thought Jermaine Johnson was great value, and the fact he fell because he wasn't overly impressive in team meetings, apparently, according to Peter King. Brees Hall's an excellent back. Jeremy Ruckett's a really good tight end. I mean, I think what they did on on day two and three was as was as good as they did on day one. Do you know what I mean? A great value with Johnson. Um, but, you know, you get Max Mitchell, you get Michael Clemens, you get Rucker. You'd expect all of those guys to make the team. Yeah. I would say so. Uh, um, now, you know, before we move off the, the rest of the NFL, I would. do you agree with me? It's the Jets or the Ravens won this draft? Um. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think I think the Chiefs had a really good draft. I mean, you go to the Chiefs, you know, looking at their needs defensively. You had McDuffie and Carl Aftis, who are day one starters. You had Sky Moore. Brian Cook's going to be a really good player. Chanel's a good two-down linebacker. You had a, a really good small school corner. You know, Darren Kennard in the fifth round is, is, is huge value. You get a running back like Pacheco in the seventh round. Jalen Watson's got real talent, Washington State kid. I, I liked what the Chiefs did. Um... I like what the Seahawks did. You know, you get Charles Cross, you get Kenneth Walker, you get Abe Lucas, you get Tariq Woolen, you get Bo Melton. I thought that was, you know, I don't love Boye Mafe, but, you know, they get him in the second round. And um, so, uh, no, I, I think I think the Ravens absolutely crushed it. Um, it, it it's hard to look past the Ravens. I don't and, think. I think. And also, in my opinion, they got the overpay on the Marquise Brown trade. Like, yeah, I think so too. But, I mean, Arizona, the Trey McBride without a first-round pick. Trey McBride, Cameron Thomas, MyJ Sanders, Keontae Ingram, Lesser to uh, Smith, Jesse Lucetta, and Marquise Hayes. I mean, that's some serious value. Uh, Jesse Lucetta and Marquise Hayes in the seventh round is, is serious value. Smith in the sixth round, you know, I, I think um, I think that's huge value. Um, so yeah, but you know, to me, Baltimore did just an incredible job with what you know. You go, you look at what the Ravens actually did, and you break it down. You just like. Yeah, Carl Hamilton at 14, when everybody's talking about him as a top three player. Kyla Lindebaum, best center in the draft, should be an all pro center. You know, Ajabo would have been a top 10 pick without the Achilles. They get him at they get him in the second round. Travis Jones was dominant at the senior bowl. You know, they get him in the third round. Daniel Falele, people were talking about as a second rounder. They got him in the fourth round. Now, you know, we can argue the toss on on how good he is, but Jalen Armour Davis would have been a first rounder if he'd stayed in school and continued the the progression that he'd made. You get Charlie Kohler in the fourth round as well. You know, really good tight end out of Iowa State. You add another tight end in Isaiah Likely, who gives you just three really good tight ends with Mark Andrews as well. Uh, uh, you know, and then you come back with with, with Tyler Beatty, you know, who's just going to give you a third down back, catch the ball. You know, I, I thought they, they absolutely crushed it. Yeah. Now, and, you know, continuing to wrap up the NFL if you agree with me, right? Like if you're Arizona, you'd rather use the 23rd pick than send it for Marquise Brown. You agree with that? Sorry, say that again. If you're Arizona, you'd rather use that 23rd pick instead of sending it away for Marquise Brown? Um, Well, I I suppose what you have to play in is that, you know, Marquise Brown fits their offense schematically in terms of downfield passing. He's one of Kyler Murray's best friends. They obviously played together at, at Oklahoma. So I think there's value. I, I think there's a bigger picture than just saying it's just a trade for a trade's sake because I think you're adding in, you know, you're trying to placate your quarterback who's potentially wants to leave. Um, so I think there are, you know, there's there's other issues at play. I, 
what what were they going to do if they were going to draft a receiver at that point? What were they going to get? You know, I, I don't know. You're going to get Christian Watson. You know, all the big guys are gone. You know, Burks has gone. Alave, Wilson, London. You know, they've all gone off the board. Jameson Williams, Dotson. You know, so I think um, I think schematically it's a it's a fit um, as much as anything. So I'm not. I'm kind of on the fence about it. All right. Yeah, I, I, I'm completely – I'm not on the fence. I would have used the 23rd pick. That was plenty there if you wanted to improve your team. Now, I do understand. Now, that's that's a good point that you make. Uh, you know, Marquise Brown, Calamari, they know each other. They played together. So, it's – maybe, you know, there's some synergy there. Maybe it's worth paying the, the premium that they did. And to be fair, Hollywood Brown hasn't been terrible. He, he was actually pretty productive last year. So – you know, it's you know, it's one of those trades that I guess we're going to see down the road. Now, the other trade is it's supposed to be a home run. It better be a home run because they paid a premium. Eagles land A.J. Brown and then actually pay him in real dollars the highest paid contract of all wide receivers in the NFL. What did you make of that whole thing? And how good does that make the Eagles? Yeah, I think, uh, again, absolutely perfect scheme fit in terms of what they do. I thought it was really interesting reading Peter King. Again, yesterday, talking about how the, the trade came together uh, and the fact that when the um, when the previous team picking before that slot at 18 went on the clock, the deal, the the contract still hadn't been done between AJ Brown and and the Eagles, which would have negated the trade. Um, but just the conversations that they had over the last couple of days before the draft. I mean, look, he's a premier player in the NFL, isn't he? He's a premier wide yep. receiver. I think he's very, very, you know, uh, you look at that and, and and you look at the aggressive move that they made. You look at the move that the Saints made up to get Chris Olave. I, I don't necessarily agree with what Detroit did to move up so high to get Williams, but you look at it and, you, you know, and then you look at what happened with Green Bay, a team that is literally one or two players away from, from a Super Bowl. Um, and you lose their second best player in Devontae Adams and yet, you know, I like Christian Watson, but, you know, a Christian Watson coming from North Dakota State with 16 drops as, as, a, as in his final season. Um, as much as I liked him at the senior bowl, as much as I like him on tape, that's a huge jump. And for, for the Packers to come away with Romeo Dubs and and Christian Watson, you know, when you lose a Devontae Adams, you don't bring, you, you know, you don't bring in, in a tight end. You spend your first two picks on, you know, a linebacker and a defensive tackle. I don't know. That... Um, you know, I, so I admire the aggression of, of Harry Roseman. So, yeah. Yeah, the Packers just seem averse. They just seem averse to using a first-round pick on a, on a wide receiver. It's now – it's never happened in their history, right? Is, is that correct? Is that the their their draft history? They've never yeah. used a first-round pick on a wide receiver? Javon Walker, I think, is the highest that they've ever used at uh, 2003, maybe. So. Wow. So we're talking almost 20 years without using one. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a very long time, especially when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Maybe you'd like to help him out a little bit. Now, uh, another thing I found interesting, and I guess after this, we will move on to the Miami Dolphins and their four picks. It is, uh, I guess I can confirm, and it was it was spoken about rather loudly in the press room, that the 49ers absolutely turned down number 10 and goodies for Debo Samuel. What do you make of what San Francisco did there because yeah. that seems like a pretty hefty offer for the Jets to offer number 10 and picks. 
So what do you thought of what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I just think some players you just want to keep around because no matter the financial situation, just schematically the fit is perfect. The fit is perfect to what they do. He's a good player, he's still an ascending player. He's only played three years in the league. Um, and I suspect they'll end up working it out. It's um, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? Do you, the NFL is kind of, you know, almost like this off season has made its legitimized trading away really good players. And, you know, I, I think are the Chiefs a better team without Tyreek Hill? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you look at who they've added in the draft, you look at who they added in free agency. You know, we talked about it earlier on with, you know, with Sky Moore and, you know, Pacheco. That That's the two skill position players that they, they, they added in the draft. And they're just, I don't know, are they better? Are they giving um, Patrick Mahomes better options? I, I don't think so. So I think you've got to weigh up whether or not the value is there for what you want to do offensively and stylistically and schematically. Um, so I would have kept Debo Samuel around, but obviously there are issues that pertaining to the contract and his, you know, he doesn't seem to be particularly willing to continue to be a 49er. And I, I think they'll probably have to work that out. But also you've got, to, you know, I, I'm sure there's elements that come into it. Did Debo Samuel want to be traded to the Jets? Yeah, that's I another thing, right? that probably plays into some of the, the thinking. So we're not always going to know exactly what happens and what goes on and those sorts of things. Yeah. And people are asking, you know, but why wouldn't you think about your team first, you know, and forget about Debo Samuel, take the 10th overall pick. And maybe, I don't know what else they were going to throw in. I don't know if they were going to throw in, what was it? 33 was it, uh, another one of their second yeah. round picks that they had. So I don't know if, like it sounds easy to say, look, think about your team, screw Debo Samuel, get the good compensation. But Debo Samuel's a free agent in a year. Nobody's trading all of those picks unless they have, you know, a signature on the dotted line, right? On an extension. Yeah. So Debo Samuel kind of owns the cards here. So it's not really about the 49ers getting the maximum amount of compensation that they could have gotten. Because if it was just that, I think they just trade him to the Jets this weekend, this past weekend. But you know, it's that's not what happened. So, all right, moving off of the NFL, how did you experience the the? Well, it seemed like a death march, okay? Because while I was there, because I was like, man, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And sure enough, when we finally got there, it was the end of the the of day two. How did you experience the march to one hundred two? Because I experienced it the same way I believe Chris experienced it and Matt experienced it, who was there with us. There was a lot of good players dropping the 102. How did yeah. you feel about it? Yeah, no, I agree. I think there were, you know, I, I, I like Tindall. I think he's a really good player. Um, I I had him as my third-rated linebacker. Um, I thought he was, you know, I, I thought you could have made a case, and I didn't think it was beyond necessarily the realm of possibility that he ends up being the best of the Bulldog three linebackers with N'Kobe Dean and Key Walker. Um you know, he's sort of a convert from middle linebacker. He can play middle. He can play outside. Uh, he's just got a really good raw skill set. I think his speed, his short area quickness. He's an angle buster. Do you know what I mean? He's a guy that can just break down angles, can get to the ball carriers. Uh, he's a great blitzer. He rushes the passer on third down. He's got great speed. To that, that, that speed, the four four seven speed, shows up on tape. You know, it's not a. This isn't a track four four speed. He's fluid. He's rangy. You know, I wouldn't have had a hesitation in taking him the top forty picks because I think his upside is absolutely massive. Um, you know, he's a 
one scout told Bruce Feldman that he is a dark alley guy. He said you wanted to be on your side if you had to walk down a dark alley late at night. Um, I like him. I think he's uh, he changes direction well. I think there's some inconsistency to his game, but I think that's down to experience. Um, and he's also under 230 pounds, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like him a lot. He is physical, taking on blockers, both moving forwards when they climb to the second level to meet him, and you know, um, and down the field in terms of taking on tight ends and, uh, and receivers. I like how he plays with leverage. He's balanced coming off contact. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he's an absolute home run hit um, for the Dolphins. I think he was the only home run hit. I thought the rest of it was very disappointing, but I thought he was an absolute um, he was an absolute home run. Yeah, uh, and at the risk of being called a fraud, I wrote uh, I wrote down my own little big board and I showed. I don't know. Did you see it? Did you see it on on, on YouTube, Simon? Uh, my big board. No. Okay. I wrote I, I wrote down my infamous big board at one hundred and two. And I put players at every single single position. And at linebacker, I wrote three names and I ranked them in, in the following fashion. Anderson, Tyndall, Muma. And sure enough, Tyndall was there, number two. So by my board, Zach Tom was the number one BPA and my number two BPA was Tyndall. So, yeah, you got to be happy with that pick. He fits a need. He... I don't think he presses Atlanta Roberts right away, but I think he will play enough this year. Do you agree with that? You're going to see him blitzing. You're going to see him doing all sorts of stuff. Um, You know, I I think that I don't know, use him necessarily conventionally earlier on because while he's getting his feet wet, but I think what you'll see is him used on third downs as you know, on sub packages as a pass rusher, you've got four, four, seven speed, you know, let's get that on the field. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. And and yeah, eventually he should be able to replace Atlanta Roberts. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and, and the size is not going to be an issue. Uh, the size is not going to be an issue. Supposedly he's he's already uh, nearing uh, 230 pounds, and will and the Dolphins expect him to play this year somewhere uh, around 235. So that's something that they could easily get him up to. So you like to pick? Would you have gone a different direction? What did you think of Zach Tom there instead? Oh, I, I, I had I, him I, one and, and, and two, so I, I was happy with the pick. You could have t- easily taken Tom there. Um, I, I I think the interesting point about that, about Zach Tom, is that it was patently obvious that the Dolphins have no interest in upgrading the center position or, or the right tackle position because they had an opportunity at Tom later on. They had an opportunity at Darian Kennard. Um, they had a number. Of, they had an opportunity. Doug Kramer, of Illinois, who they chose to pass on. Um, so they could have taken a number of guys, and they didn't um, to help those positions. So I think it was pretty obvious that you know they're they're pretty comfortable with what they with what they have at the position. Yeah, and you know fans are gonna. Are gonna I could hear them already because you know I have heard them. You know, another year, and they're just not going to take a running back, are they? Uh, you have it, and I have it. They actually were going to take a running back. That running back was Rashad White, and they were going to take him right there at 102, but he got taken before. Uh, tell, tell that story again if you can. Yeah, the Dolphins, have, I mean, I've talked about it for forever. The Dolphins have been high on Rashad White for a long time, um, and they, uh, they were planning to take him. Uh, that, was the, that was the MO. That was what they were going to do. That was what they were talked about when... Um, when uh, Mike McDaniel said he sort of fell off his chair um, 
in terms of when the, when the, the guy that they wanted went off the board. Um, that was their guy and he went. And so it'd be interesting to see what the decision would have been if Tyndall had still been there, uh, whether they were taking white, what the, what the situation was. But, but yeah, um, that was definitely the play. And that begs the question, why not Isaiah Spiller or Pierre Strong there? Yeah, I mean, Spiller obviously went off the board before, you know, uh, before the Dolphins could pick in the fourth round. Um, so maybe they just didn't think he was a schematic fit. I don't understand it. Uh, Pierre Strong, another, obviously went to the Patriots. Um, look, at, uh, there's going to be backs that shake free. I, I think they're extremely confident and comfortable in their ability to know what they want from a running back, know how to 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 use the scheme, know how to make... The, sorry, I'm just watching the end of the uh, Champions League semi-final. It's got quite exciting. Um just they know how to make the best of, of what they have. Let, let's make no. Oh my God, Real Madrid have equalized. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. Uh. Uh, yes. Um, I don't even know what I'm saying, but yes, they, um, uh, they have never really had a big time running back in the system. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so. Yeah, I think. Um, sorry, I was completely thrown by that. I think that um, white would have been great, but you kind of can't cry over spilt milk, really. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Now the the draft moves on from there, and you know, here came one twenty five, and you're thinking, okay, um, is this going to be like a need thing, or are they going to just package this pick and then put on the rest of the draft? And they take. Eric Azukanama. Do I have it right? Azukanama. So. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I know nothing about Eric Azukanama. And he played for Texas Tech. And that's that's on me, but that's because the Dolphins didn't have too many picks. And I just didn't do enough research on all the wide receivers. So I didn't know much about him. What do you know about him? What did you make of the pick? Because I found it extremely odd when the pick was made. I think he's a Wes Welker pick, you know, Texas Tech guy. Um I was very surprised, I have to say. I didn't think he would be the guy. I thought that... Sorry, I thought Real Madrid were going to win. Um, I thought that um, Welker was sent to Texas Tech to watch the Red Raiders Pro Day. Um, and I think apparently he fell in love with the guy. Uh, he was pestering Greer and McDaniel throughout the draft. Um, so, yeah, I don't think receiver was a need necessarily but uh in fact it wasn't a need at all um but i think they kept their sort of best player available approach and whether we like it or not that's what they ended up with you know you look at the situation at receiver now and you've got you know sherfield and river craycraft and and all these players and you think how is what because they've added a fullback as well you know the fullback's going to play you know what's going to happen in terms of you know who's going to get on the field that's the that's mm-hmm. the thing I find so interesting. Who's going to play? Um, you know, are they going to keep six? Are they going to keep seven receivers? You know, Cedric Wilson, Lim Bowden. Who's going to? It, it, it's fascinating. It really is. I, I'm not really sure. I know how it's going to play out. You know, because you kind of feel like they brought in. You know, certainly the 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 49ers guys. Because look, that's who's making the team. Wilson's making the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson's making the team, uh, Hill's making the team, Waddle's making the team, right? At that point, you don't really know who else is making the team. Preston Williams making the team. Is 
Sherfield making the tea, is Craycraft making the tea? And these are guys that they brought in specifically because they knew that they could play special teams, guys that were trust, they understand the system, hard workers. You know, you need some of those worker bees play. So, uh, you know, and then you've obviously got this kid from, from Texas A&M, um, you know, Azukanama. So we shall see how it plays out. Yeah. Uh, is it as easy as he's uh, Matt Collins' replacement? Can he play special teams? Uh, he's going to have to play special teams. If not, he can't make the team, really, in my opinion, right? I mean, you don't want to, you don't want a fourth rounder to, you don't want a fourth rounder to not make the team, but mm. he's in a battle, you know, he is in a battle because there's going to be a fired up Lynn Bowden who can do an awful, you know, you look at the skill set of a Lynn Bowden and you think, I mean, is there more, is there a more perfect match for Mike McDaniel than Lynn Bowden? I don't think there is, you know, I think Preston Williams is making this team. I, I think the battle is between Azukanama and Preston Williams. Yeah, I would uh, say so. Cause they're, they're kind of like the same guy. They're both big guys, uh, good red zone threats. You know, maybe that they look, they may try and like use Lynn Bowden as a sort of a, a like you do when kids are coming out of high school, they, they just refer to them as athletes. So you might just be an athlete who plays a bit of receiver, a bit of returner, a bit of punt returner. He um, plays running back, you know, plays, plays quarterback, throws the ball, you know, but I, I think that's, I essentially think that's what will happen. All right. And uh, moving on, Cameron Good and Skylar Thompson in the seventh round. Explain those to me like, uh, like, like if I'm a Martian and, and I don't know anything about football because neither guy was on my radar. Neither guy I thought was draftable. Skylar Thompson, like, wow. Like how many years has he played college football? Skylar Thompson. Yeah, I remember well, him down there forever, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, these two picks made no sense to me, I've got to say. I mean, Cameron Good is a player that the Dolphins obviously have brought in. They'd had a lot of interest in. He'd come in, you know, numbers-wise. He feels like a guy that's going to be the sort of fifth, sixth linebacker. He's going to have to play a lot of special teams. Um, you know, three. he's a good scheme fit in terms of 3-4. He's got the motor. He's got, you know, he's... He's kind of, you know, he he's a bit of an agent of chaos, which I like about him. You know, he's that that effort that he that he shows. You know, he's just he can be disruptive. You know, he's a he's not a bad player in terms of. I just think there were better options on the board. I would have taken a canard. You know, we've got we've got pass rushers. We've got guys that can. You, you just spent a Channing Tindall can do that. What is Cameron Good's role in this? Do you know what I mean? What, what is he just a you know, is he going to replace Van Ginkle? Is he in the mix with, with Beagle? Because if he is, he's almost not going to make the roster, yet a Darian Kennard probably would have started, either at guard or at tackle. So I, I don't really understand what they did. And, you know, I, that, that to me just made no sense at all. But uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know. I, I just think he's overly athletic. I don't think he's, you know, he's not a great, you know, he's he's an effort guy. He's a full-on effort guy. He's just not a, you know, technique-wise, he can't, you know, he can't bend, can't run the arc, you know, those sorts of things. I just think, um, you know, I'd, and, and if he's not, uh, you know, I'd have taken an Ali Fayad. That, that if you want an edge rusher, take Ali Fayad, the, the, the kid from Western Michigan, and uh, rather than, you know, I suspect he's going to, they're going to try and work him as a special teams captain and see what see what happens. And Skylar Thompson, like, how, where's his fit, really? Because he's not, he's not going to be on the 53. There's no chance whatsoever he's on the 53. 
no, I, again, I, I just don't, uh, I, I don't understand it. They said they liked his skill set. Um, you know, again, this is another guy. He's mobile. He's, you know, I'm at a bit of a loss, I've got to say. I mean, they talked about how K-State had always pulled off upsets and he was all behind it and they loved his character and the person and that's... Uh, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like my argument for Sam Ellinger last year because Sam Ellinger always managed to play great against Ohio State and, you know, Oklahoma. He, he always managed to pull out, you know, have big games against those teams. But Skylar Thompson, like, really, I, I, I didn't understand that whatsoever. I, I would have just, you know, just assume package all those picks and send them a, away. Take a Rasheed Walker or, you know, in the seventh round or, you know, take a Adam running, but, you know, Britton Brown went in the seventh round or, you know, guys like that, I just take Bo I, I don't know. I just felt like a waste of a pick. I just felt like the last three picks were kind of a bit meh when who, you know, when you consider who else was on the board. You know, take Jesse Lucator at, you know, he can play outside as an edge threat. He was solid at the senior bowl. You know, he can play inside at linebacker. He's a better player than Cameron Good. You know, mm. so I don't understand why you just wouldn't take, you know, take Tyndall, then come back and take Tom, then take Darren Kennard, and then, and then take, um, and then take Lucator, you know, and I just, to me, that's a much better draft. I mean, I thought they did better with their undrafted free agents than they did in the actual draft. All right. So, so talk about those guys. Uh, what stands out? Obviously, Kellen Deitch, uh, does he have a shot? Oh, I think he has a real shot. I mean, people talk about he's got short arms and stuff. You know, he's a good player. I thought he suffered a little bit in the, in, in, with mainstream opinion in terms of the fact that he played, you know, on the West Coast. Um but I like him as a player. I think he's, um, you know, I thought he was he was a good player to watch. I thought he was well-liked. I thought he's, you know, he's got good smooth pass sets. He's mobile in the run game. Like people talked about him, you know, as uh, as Arizona State's best lineman since Levi Jones went in the first round 20 years ago. I thought he should have gone to the senior bowl. I think he wins in space. He's got really good feet. He has prototypical body length. doesn't have prototypical arm length. But he's 6'7". He's 300 pounds. You know, he's got good hands because he knows when and how and where to target his opponent and how to use his hand. He's got good grip strength. You know, this isn't a power player. This is a movement player. Um, you know, so I like him. Uh, he's got some burst. He's got some quickness. I, I think he becomes a bit of a hugger sometimes. And I think maybe that's a, a bit of a penalty thing. But he can move really well laterally. He can replace, redirect his hands. Um, I like him. I, he allowed only 11 pressures in his career. Um, now I got some sort of cheap Eric Fisher vibes, his former tight end. I think, you know, he'll have an opportunity. I think he'll have an opportunity just to start. I think he'll be in the mix at right tackle. And I think he'll have an opportunity to start potentially at guard. So, hmm. so yeah. Uh, anything else that stand out as far as this entire UDFA list? Yeah. Barrow McKinley. Uh, I, I think McKinley's a really interesting player and it'll be, I, I like the fact that he's paired back up with one of his best friends in, um, in Javon Holland. I, I like McKinley uh, and actually I liked him more during the, the film process than I did during the season. If that makes sense in terms of just watching games for, for watching games and making some notes when I actually studied him, I, I, I found him to be, to be, I, I thought it was a bit Jalen Petrie light. He was kind of a do everything kind of combo platter guy who can play, you know, split or nickel safety. He can play some special teams. Uh, he's he's a ball hawk. You know, he knows where the ball is. He's got great instincts, always around the football. 
loves watching film. Now you wonder about his size. He's only 5'10", 200 pounds, 198. He can be a bit aggressive. He can be overpowered by bigger players. But yeah, he's intelligent. He's got football intelligence. He checks a lot of boxes. He's got really good eyes. He plays fast. Um, like he, there's a play against UCLA last year where he returns a fumble, but the and it spells speaks to his intelligence. The ball's bobbling on the floor, 50-50 as to whether he'd get it or a UCLA lineman would get it if he dives on it. But what he does, instead of diving on it or scooping it up without getting blown up, he literally leans down and sort of bunts the ball past the lineman with one hand, bounces up, scoops it up, runs 60 yards downfield. I, I, I just like him. He's just a, he's a good player. He's a leader. Mario Cristobal says that he's a coach on the field and, you know, you kind of got to dig that. Cool. All right, uh, Simon. Next time that we talk, we will have a schedule, and we could just start pointing toward the the regular season. Yeah, uh, I just another guy worth mentioning is Quandre is White, the the running back. I I think. Oh uh, yeah, from South Carolina. Signed with Florida State, very kind of circuitous route to get to where he got to. Signed as a running back at Florida State, shifted to linebacker, transferred and played JUCO ball at Iowa Western, and then ended up at. Um, then ended up at Real Madrid, got a penalty, excellent news, that ended up at South Carolina. I think he's just got a great skill set. I think he he has a running style, that high knee style that reminds me a bit of Roger Craig. I thought he was a day two, early day three pick, if I was honest. A four-star kid, number one running back in Florida, ran 11, 2200 meters. I think, yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. I think he, he's got a real work ethic and I, I, I won't be shocked if he makes the team and then is a significant... I wouldn't be shocked if he was the had the most significant contribution of any player in that the Dolphins picked up either in the draft or undrafted free agents. Now, that is that is interesting if that happens. Absolutely. All right. So when we come back, the next time we, we speak to you, by the way, we will have a, a schedule. And the NFL is actually making uh, another event out of the schedule release. I never thought I'd see this, where the NFL is actually creating events out of mundane things as telling you who plays where. But yeah, that's happening this week. On the next, on the other side of the break, Chris Kaufman. But first, these words. Are you a business owner or executive who needs more results from your marketing team? Do you struggle to measure the results of your marketing spend? Or do you need to spend less time running marketing personally? A metrics marketer fractional CMO can help. A fractional CMO delivers measurable results and value by combining real-world experience with a proven marketing framework and process, all at a fraction of the price of a full-time marketing leader. We manage and enhance your existing marketing team while creating programs designed to drive awareness, revenue, and growth for your company. Let us create, manage, and deploy a marketing strategy to help you reach your goals faster. Visit yourfcmo.com, that's yourfcmo.com, to request a free, no-obligation consultation. Mention 3YPC for a special discount of 10% off our services. Grow your business faster with a fractional CMO. And we're back, and as promised, Chris Kaufman. Hello, Chris. Hello. How did you enjoy Vegas? I know we were there together, and and I know you you enjoyed it, but, you know, let the people know. Vegas, Vegas was good. Um, and the, uh, the, uh, the access, the access that the NFL gave us was, uh, was pretty good for that first day. Uh, the only thing about Vegas is unfortunately when you, you go and, you know, you bring, you bring like a little extra something with you, like, uh, you know, a cold virus or a, a stomach bug, 
and and it hits you like while you're there and you're trying to be in the hotel room and or you're stuck in the hotel room and you know that's that's so that ended up happening to me unfortunately but uh but when we did get to go out it was uh it was pretty awesome yeah yeah no we went to a couple of restaurants uh we enjoyed that the, the hell out of it i would say how did you like how did you like morimoto Look, uh, I've been to a lot of restaurants and I've been to some in other places in the world that uh, that have been better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this uh, Morimoto's might have been the best uh, restaurant I've ever ate, eat, eaten at in the United States. The best you've ever eaten at in the United States. That's a, yeah. that's pretty that's high praise. It's it's right there. I didn't taste everything on the menu, but I tasted a lot of it. And I kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm a big seafood guy. Like, I, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you put a piece right. of fish in front of me, you put shrimp or mussels, mm-hmm. pretty much any seafood in front of me. And I'm going to like it if it's well cooked. And that was it was superbly cooked. And and we got like a, a whole there was a there was a big a lot of variety of different things that we got there. It was pretty awesome. I got everything was just I, I agree with you in that. Like it was it was one of the best restaurant experiences i've ever had you know here and it was it was pretty and and we went to other places in vegas you know like i went to hell's kitchen mm-hmm. um you know and uh and spago was amazing spago was pretty spago brunch uh-huh. uh was pretty you know overlooking um on the balcony the uh the whatchamacallit the bellagio fountain yeah you know that was that was great that was really but um but yeah we went to other places and it was like you know morimoto was like holy shit yeah it was good it was good right and we also went to uh we went um a couple of nights afterwards we went to the cosmopolitan hotel which is like the happening place and we yeah and we ate at the haleos which is jose andres's uh restaurant okay he's an he's an iron chef so yeah yeah so i we ate at well so is show so is morimoto yeah, so that's two Iron Chefs that we ate at, you know? You did, uh, yeah, you did two Iron Chefs. And is Wolfgang Puck uh, an Iron Chef? Because that would, that would be three. I do not know because I am I am an old school Iron Chef man, <laughs> I will say. I will say this. Yeah. And so, like, you know, once once they, they redid it, uh, they redid it American style. I'm not sure that uh, – I'm not sure which uh, – you know, Are you saying that they, they've chefs. been too lenient and handing out the Iron Chef label to too many people? I think so it's possible that, 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 that you know that is a possibility but we went to Haleos. that's in uh it's a spanish restaurant it's just tapas you know and we drank and it was fabulous it was a great place beautiful restaurant everything is red imagine everything red in a restaurant table floors ceilings walls how the waiters dress it was beautiful restaurant beautiful restaurant at the cosmopolitan yeah. I think I've heard of this. Um, and, uh, like, I, I think I've seen like a TikTok on it. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, on that yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Well, the, the all red, um, I, yeah. I somewhat, somewhat remember it. We, we did a uh, food tour in the Aria. Um, and it was, it focused on, uh, on restaurants all in the, uh, the Aria and it was, it was pretty, it was pretty good. It was, it was, you know, it was quite good. Yeah. I love Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, you know, we need more excuses. Like they got to do more things in Vegas. Like, well, I didn't know. like you. You have been to Vegas an absurd number of times, and yes, uh, like have. this made me. This made me think. Okay, you must be finding the excuses to go to Vegas already. <laughs> yes. And I, I just need to be like you. I need to grow up like you, and just like, and just like, okay, I need to go to Vegas like 
50 times. <laughs> well, let me give you a hint. Let me give you a hint. Uh, tomorrow is one of those fake events that the NFL puts on every year, which is they, they put wall-to-wall coverage on NFL Network just to release their schedule. So they're basically going to tell you who plays who, and they're making an event out of it, right? Yeah. Can I whisper something into the microphone? Okay. Dolphins play at Raiders next year. Oh, do we? <laughs> yes, they do. All right, Dolphins at Raiders, another excuse to go to Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And if it's a Sunday night game, whoa, that's gonna be a lot of fun, right? Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a great game. Yeah, that's another excuse. But yeah, yeah, and and by the way, I did some exploring on Saturday. I went to one of my the favorite place, one of my favorite places in the world is the Bellagio Race and Sports Book. Okay. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I, one of my favorite places in the world. I love the bet horses there. Uh First of all, I did pretty well. I posted some pictures. I don't know if you saw the picture on. I saw that. I saw a big winner, uh, big winner yeah. with lots of hundred dollar bills. Like, <laughs> yes, I had, yeah. a, I had a very nice morning there at at the Bellagio, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to do some exploring. I'm going to see how do you get to Allegiant Stadium, right? So then uh, I noticed, okay, so you you take like a tram, and then this tram takes you to mandalay bay right and if you're at mandalay bay okay how do you get to the stadium evidently you could just walk through the casino you walk outside and it's a block away the stadium is right there really? you essentially could walk from casino to casino and then walk to the stadium it's fabulous i've never wow. seen anything like that like their design of where they put that stadium was absolutely perfect See now, now I this was this was on the the bucket list. Actually, you know, my brother and I we just played at the Raiders, uh, like this year, and my brother and I were trying to figure out how to go for that game because we have like a, an NFL stadium thing, uh-huh. and and we're like we're trying to we went to Lambeau Field, you know, we're we're trying to like go to um go to really you know strong NFL stadiums, and. We're just like we 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 wanted to do the Raiders one. It didn't end up working out from a family standpoint, unfortunately. But like that's that next year, I guess there's going to be no excuse. Like we have to do it. <laughs> yes, and of course they're having a Super Bowl there in two years. So oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, Super Bowl. so yeah. So yeah, we get to go back plenty of times. And who knows? Maybe maybe the Dolphins play the Raiders in the playoff. You know. Ooh. If the Dolphins play the Raiders in the playoffs, I'll, I'll, I'll damn near, I'll guarantee it right here, right now. I'll be there. Like I'll, I'll be in that stadium. Oh yeah, in yeah. the playoffs, you will, you will go. Like, yeah, the Dolphins re- travel re- regardless of where it is. The, the Dolphins travel to Las Vegas, okay, to play the Raiders in the playoffs. I will be there. Uh, there there's no doubt about that. You know, now the, the one thing I have uh, heard is that their tickets are outrageous. Like Las Vegas oh, Raider tickets. Oh okay. Because well, they're, they're like hu- they're huge in demand, like you know they fill up that stadium. Like you could tell why why they left Oakland. You know, no offense to the people of the fine people of Oakland, but you know Las Vegas it just has so many people to fill up seats for any sporting event. You know, yeah. So, I mean, uh, just yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 what did you think of how how the what the NFL did? You know, how did they put put on this event? Uh, I told I told uh, I came up with, with what I thought was a pretty smart line to Simon because we went over all the picks. 
I told Simon that the NFL Pro Shop threw up all over the, the city, and that's what we got. <laughs> no, I, I kept being teased the entire time that I need to get one of these gaudy-ass, like, big chain necklaces with the <laughs> Dolphins thing on it, like, just constantly. I never found one. About it. I was going to buy one for, for my daughter. I didn't find you know one. What? We did not find one e- either. Um, like I passed someone on the street that had like a bunch of them for all the different teams, but they didn't have any Dolphins ones. Um, I passed people that had them. So I passed the people that, that took them all. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And I also told Simon that the Jersey Olympics, I think were won by the Denver Broncos. I think they were the best represented besides the obvious, you know, Raider fans. You know, well, what did you think? Who do you think won that the Jersey Olympics? You know who won the Jersey Olympics was the there. You can still find it on on Twitter. I'll, I'll probably like. I think I think we probably brought it up already on OnlyFans or, or on their OnlyFans. Um, who won the Jersey battle was that group of per people that all had different Ryan Fitzpatrick jerseys on. Oh yes. <laughs> And it was amazing. It looked like a glitch in the matrix. Like somehow it just auto-populated Fitzpatrick on the name of every jersey that you were seeing. Yeah, that and, was obviously that was obviously uh, a bachelor party that decided, yeah. you know what? Let's coincide our bachelor party with the draft, and we need a theme to go together as. And they decided we're going as Fitzpatrick's. Yeah, they they went as they went as the flying Fitzpatrick's. Yes. Which Fitzpatrick would you have been? Uh, me, I, I would be the Ram Fitzpatrick. You would be Rams Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like wasn't, Rams Fitzpatrick. Wasn't, he was fresh I mean, he's, and you didn't have the, the beard. You know, I would I you know what I would do? I would I would go with Tampa to Fitzpatrick. Ooh, that was because because of when he showed up in Tampa at the press conference looking like Deshaun Jackson. Yes, yes. Remember that, that? like that that yeah. was still that's still like iconic fits for me. Yeah. No Jets Fitzpatrick, huh? No, no, fuck no. <laughs> you know what we were we were just like um i was i was just speaking with somebody earlier uh tonight about like, like we were talking about iconic football plays like like if you think about like how many football plays are there in the history of the nfl where like you say the name of it like or the nickname of it and like everybody knows exactly what it is oh absolutely like, right? the, like the, the immaculate reception and right you know like the the fake spike you know that sort of that the hook sort of, and lateral is you know the hook, yeah, the hook and lateral to Tony, to Tony well, one of them one of them clearly in that company is still the butt fumble and it'll never go away and it'll never go away and 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 so i was talking with somebody about that earlier and i was like wait so and they're like wait uh, so if i just google the butt fumble like that's what's going to come up, and and not only is it going to come up, but it's got its own like about page, it's got its own like <laughs> Wikipedia entry. It's it's like it's it's a whole thing. It's it's yeah, it it, it will live on. Yeah, what's awesome about the butt fumble is is you know uh, the whole sequence of events because an actual butt did cause the fumble. An actual like, butt, and not only did the butt cause the fumble, but that butt clocked. Mark Sanchez. Absolutely. Just knocked him straight to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, in, a, in a really bad way. Like, you know, like, yeah, laid him out. Laid him out. It laid him out. 
you know, and you know what's great about it is that you could go franchise for franchise, and even the 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 bad plays. Like if you go uh, Buffalo Bills, one mm-hmm. one play, okay, it's Scott Norwood missing the field goal in in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, give me a random team, and I could give you a play. Give me a random team. Watch. Really? Uh, yeah. Watch. Okay. I could. I, I. I'm. I'm pretty good at this. Give me a random team. Okay. Uh, well, shit. I was just thinking about them earlier. So you know, how about the Cincinnati Bengals? Cincinnati Bengals. Like iconic play, and we're not talking about the, you know they're they're going to the Super Bowl this year or whatever. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, unfortunately it's against them, but it's the the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl to James Taylor from Montana oh. to Taylor against the Bengals. He beats yeah, that, he beats two D coverage inside and touchdown. And that's iconic. Right. Like that's that been replayed right. a thousand times over. That's that that one is um is one I know. Like it's uh, do they refer to it as the catch? Uh what do they refer that to? Because it was a drive. First of all, it was oh, a no, not James. Drive. You know, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Clark. I think I think I might be thinking of Clark's catch. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's against the Cowboys, you know. Okay. But a, a, any franchise, even even the most uh, like you know franchise that, that nobody's ever heard of, you know, like like what is a, what is an NFL franchise out that nobody's heard of? Come on. Yeah, like well, you know, like if you talk to casual fans, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure they have a hard time naming five Jacksonville Jaguars, right? <laughs> okay, that's a low blow at Jacksonville. Okay, but, but even Jacksonville, they have an iconic play. If you think about it, and I don't even want to mention which one it is. It's oh, the 80 no. yard touchdown by Fred Taylor. In oh, the no, don't say that. <laughs> okay. Well, it could be that one or it could be Natron Means. Okay. Natron you remember Means Natron business? Means against the Broncos in the playoffs, rumbling for okay. 30 yards and a touchdown to win a game? Well, you, you realize this is still a Dolphins podcast, so you're not supposed to bring up the 62 yeah. seven game. I mean, it, it's, my it's, it's in the bylaws, man. But my point is I can do this for every franchise. And when you get to the jets, it's, you cannot say it's Joe Namath running off the field, waving his finger because that's not a play. That's him running off the field, waving his finger. That's right. That's one. not a play. So it's the buff fumble, isn't it? It's the buff fumble it's for the, the jets. Fumble. It's Absolutely. the buff fumble. Like okay. the only one. That's the only one. You know, the, because there's a company that does this. You might have seen. You might have seen them. It's like uh, they do these slate, like um, uh, coasters. Uh-huh. Drink, drink coasters, and they do NFL plays on them. Like you, you can ask for which NFL play to to be drawn up on the coaster, and you know, like the fakes, like somebody, somebody. Uh, got me a gift like dolphins oriented gift and it's uh it's the set of those slate coasters and like one of them is like the fake spike you know oh, that's awesome uh, the miami miracle um you know so yeah so, so you can get that i want to know what the butt fumble looks like when you draw it up you draw it up on on that you know slate thing and have it as a coaster this is this is what the butt fumble looks like <laughs> yeah what's interesting about and now you mentioned the fake spike do you know how that came about the fake spike how it came about I yeah mean, no, how they I, thought I suppose, it up I, how they thought it I up suppose, and implemented it i suppose i don't no it was bernie kozar bernie kozar in practice oh. uh they they practiced a, a two-minute drill and uh marina was spiking it and when they would spike it the receivers mm-hmm. would curl 
and they will curl coming back to the quarterback. Like they they release, like if they're you know they're coming off the line, but they curl and they come back to the quarterback in case whatever reason, like you know, oh, okay. it was deflection and there was a fumble and it has to be recovered. And Bernie Kosar was watching this, and Bernie Kosar told Gary Stevens, "You notice that our, our cornerbacks when they're anticipating that Marino's going to spike it and they're laying off. What if Marino yeah. just threw a, a hitch there? Yeah. And Gary Stevens like, you know what? That's a good idea." <laughs> and they told Dan about it and they ran it once in practice and D- Marino thought it up and he gave Ingram the signal. And on that field, only two people knew that they were doing that. And it was oh, Dan yeah, Marino the, and Mark yeah. Ingram. That's the, that's the key there. But that, that sort of communication has happened all the time in like college now and, and the pros. And, and so, so there's, there's, there's all kinds of plays now. You see it and you, you don't know it. Like you're trying to like, you're trying to figure out what, what just happened. But like the only people that actually knew what was ultimately going to happen on the player, the QB and the wide receiver mm-hmm. or the one wide receiver, you know, yeah, that happens a lot now. All right. Now let's, uh, let's get into the, the draft. First of all, uh, one brief draft question. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the jets draft the best and Ravens draft second. Your thoughts. Um, I'll and on the honest. Jets, let, let me be clear about, about the Jets. It's not that mm-hmm. I liked all their players the best, mm-hmm. but you know, I think it's nitpicking if I have if I have all the draftees as top three guys for myself, mm-hmm. and they got them all. You know what I mean? Like, just because they didn't get the best guy at each position, like I shouldn't hold that against them, right? No, I mean that's you definitely can't hold that against them. I would say the Jets. I mean, so I, I thought that um, I'm a, obviously Sauce Gardner is a, a good pick, and Jermaine Johnson was really the one that made it to me. Yeah, um, I like you know I like Brees Hall. Um, I've not been a buyer of Garrett of Garrett Wilson to be honest um, for a number of years, and so um, you know I think that they they might have actually gotten a deal with um, with Michael Clemens uh, in in the the fourth round. But um, I'm a big I, fan I'm, of Jeremy Ruckert. Uh, I, I, I like, are you? Yeah, okay. Well, I, you know, it, I, I think, I think he's all right. I don't know. I don't know that I'm, that I've been a huge fan of this. So he gives um, me Adam Shaheen vibes. And I don't think that's such a bad thing to pick up like in the third or fourth. Know, it's round. also not a great thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, Simon has, has gone on uh, about Baltimore's draft and, I mean, it is, it, it is, let's be honest. I mean, when you go, when you go right off the bat with Kyle Han- Hamilton, Tyler Lindebaum, David Ajabo, um, Ajabo, I'm, I'm not really sure. And, and Travis Jones. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm the big buyer of the, of that everybody else is on the, of the right tackle, Daniel Falale or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that I've ever been a huge buyer on his. I think that he's going to, is going to look a lot like Trent to me is going to look a lot like Trent Brown in the NFL, which is to say he's going to be passed around by a bunch of different teams because a bunch of different teams are going to think that he looks better. He, he, he looks like a good acquisition and then find out that there's a lot of things that he can't do. I, I, um, I'm telling you, I'll tell you one thing, Jalen Armour Davis. Whoa. Yeah. When, it, yeah. when he got taken 119, I started getting a little FOMO like, uh, why couldn't Greer package 125 and whatever the hell else he had and and maybe picked him up? You know, long lean Alabama corners. I don't know. Sign mm-hmm. me up, right? Yeah, right. Right. 
So yeah, so, so you got the Ravens. Yeah, I, you know I can't argue with that. It That's was, a great. It is a really great draft. Um, really you know, is. and and we we talk about this sometimes, but it's, it also seems like, and and I'm not even just going off the draft picks. Also, if you go to the UDFA's because they didn't, you know, they didn't have too many draft picks, but uh, it seems like. Uh, Howie Roseman of the Eagles, just like uh, I, I said to Al, I said to uh, to Simon, I was like, uh, you know, it's almost like he's in our Discord or something, or like yeah. he, like he's a fan of the show. He he just always seems to like the players that we do, and um, and so he did he did a pretty good job again. Um, you know, a, a team that I'm sure that you will like a lot. Their draft is uh, is the Chiefs because they have your favorite guy Trent McDuffie right at the top and. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think they got nice, a, a nice uh, deal in the fifth round with Darian Kennard. And I think that that's just, just going to. That's what got um, Sky Moore, people, who I think is going to play Sky right Moore, away. Yeah. Well. Sky Moore, George Karloftis, um, and uh, and Leo uh, Chenel. Or is it Kennel or Chenel? Uh, um, mm. I know I, I, see, I see the name and I've seen the player, but I haven't heard, heard the name. That's weird. That's weird. I gotta start I, when I when I watch these guys' games. I gotta start stop muting it. <laughs> <laughs> I always just mute it. <laughs> so he gets the one hundred two. Miami's uh-huh. on the clock, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you saw my my big board, mm-hmm. but uh, my big board had Tyndall on there pretty much as BPA. I had only Zach Tom ahead of him. Yeah, so I'm pretty happy with the pick. What say you? Uh, I thought it was a curious pick. Um, I can't be unhappy with the player at all. Like, you know, I, I, I like him. I like Tyndall. I think that, you know, you're basically, you're basically drafting a Jerome Baker clone. Um, it was still a interesting choice to me. Um, Although, know, uh, let me, needs. let me take a one little issue there. Uh, if people say a Jerome Baker clone, they're going to think, uh, you know, sleek, uh, rangy linebacker. He's kind of barrel chested. I think he could he could carry two hundred and thirty five pounds. I don't think you think, it's, he, you think he'd go higher or higher yeah, his weight. I, I, I think he know. could be a bigger guy. Could be. I mean, you never know. But um, I it's but I mean, if you look at the roles that he plays and the things that he's good at, and and you know who he is and what um and what he is athletically and and such. I mean, it's it's a very it's a very Jerome baker like pick um even in, in terms of personality and and you know comportment that reminds me of um a lot of baker so um so i thought that was that was interesting uh considering you know hey i, I i've said this and i i mean it it's like if, if you're asking me right now um this draft you got to come away with a you got to come away with a valid right tackle who's going to play right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because I am not going to buy, you know, I'll uh, people are going to see now that it looks like it's going to happen. People are going to start, you know, even our, our own fans and such are, are going to start, you know, um, playing the game of, well, you know, maybe it is going to work out, you know, maybe <laughs> he is young and, but no, I'm not a, I'm not a buyer of Austin Jackson at right tackle protecting Tua Tungavailoa's blindside. I think that is a mistake and is a huge one. And and borderline inexcusable. Borderline inexcusable mistake. Um, 
you know, cause I, I, I'm not trying to pull my punches here because I'm a fan. Uh, that's, that is, that is a frankly stupid decision. It's, it's, it's stubborn. I would say like, uh, at some point you gotta, you know, you, you gotta, you know, cut your losses. Right. And, and mm-hmm. just sell and just sell on, well, on it's the not idea. Even, it's not even that. Well, so, so listen, you can always give the guy the chance to display upside. But you don't have to you don't have to place the weight of responsibility on his shoulders at the same time that you give him that chance. Well, yeah, he deserves an opportunity, but I would have I would have rather had, uh, you know, a plan A. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely. And if he was a backup, he's going to play at some point. And let's mm-hmm. face it, if he goes and plays some point and he's next Terrence Steele all of a sudden. Yeah. Guess what happens? Hey, you it know? was only it was only a year ago. uh well, uh, well, a year ago the season happened, but before last season, Terrence Steele was considered pretty much kind of like Austin Jackson. A year yeah, later, a bit, a bit. A year later, the Dallas Cowboys are sending Leo Collins packing, yeah, so they could hand Terrence Steele the right tackle spot. Yeah, so you know that could happen. You know, so you would have gone a different direction. So uh, obviously, Zach Tom. Yeah, I mean Zach Tom was the was the guy I was thinking of um, specifically. I also thought that there was there was an opportunity um, to trade up, you know, because frankly, both Bernard Bernard Raymond Ryman and um, Abe Lucas fell far closer to Miami's range mm-hmm. than than I would have thought. I mean, the fact that Nicholas Petit Frere went before those two is just ludicrous and doesn't make me think well of the Titans. Um, but, you know, I, I think that uh, those guys in range like that, you, you got to package something and go do it. And, and I, I think they didn't. And, you know, the Chris Greer described it afterwards. He said that anything having to do with the 2023 picks was a non-starter. You know, and, like Gre- they, and Gre- Greer also said that teams, for whatever, and they were joking about it in the in the draft room, mm-hmm. that teams weren't weren't too willing to do business this year for whatever reason. And yeah, he's joking uh, uh, about uh, that. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I, I I think I you know I have to think there could have been a, a feasible package to move up, pick up, you know, a guy like Abe Lucas who can play right out of the box for you in this system and, and do a better job. You know, I would certainly have more confidence in him protecting to his blind side. Um, but also the same is true, even with Bernard Ryman, even though he's considered, you know, a lot of people consider him to be, um, uh, you know, more raw because he's less experienced. Um, but, all, but, you know, he's always reminded me so much of Sebastian Vollmer, you know, the longtime right tackle of the, um, mm. the New England Patriots standout. Um and you know, and well, this is this is a choice. This is the choice they've made, and we'll see how it works out. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's right? Hard, hard for me to imagine uh, that it's going to work out well. Well, we'll, we'll I, see as soon as they get back. You know, from from driving uh, race cars, uh, our, our coach yeah, and right, our quarterback right. are driving around the yeah. track right now. Yeah. Well, you know, instead of driving race cars, they should be trying to figure out who's going to play <laughs> right tackle. Nah, we, we got to drive race cars right now. You know, I'd even accept, I would accept moving Robert Hunt out there. And to me, that's always the, um, you know, that's the, the, uh, the safety net. Um, because I, I feel like I know the job he could do at that, um, that position in this system. 
Um, and so I'd accept that. Uh, and, but that doesn't seem to be where they're leaning. If anything, what they're leaning toward right now is something that's new is, um, is according to Barry Jackson, Connor Williams has been playing a lot of center for them. And that means that they could be looking at trying to justify both Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg on the line. Um, and I think that could be also be a mistake because they're just going to keep waiting for those guys to get it and get it and get it. And maybe one day it would, it would happen for Eichenberg. I can, I'm, yeah. I'm not signing off. I'm not, not signing his death warrant um, by any means, but um, with those guys, sometimes you just keep waiting. <laughs> yeah. Although Mike McDaniel tends to do. And it's uh, painful. Odd things with, with his offensive line. Remember Trent Williams played tight end. He also put him in motion last year uh, i don't know if you if you remember him against the cowboys they put him in motion three times yeah to try to run right behind him and then one time they used it to to run the opposite way they ran cross buck by sending trent williams the opposite way oddly enough it worked because they had linebackers yeah. chasing trent williams because they're like okay it's like a split zone tight end yeah so they were like oh boy yeah they're yeah. setting trent williams right up our ass here so let's all right, let's go. Well, that's at him. that's sure that's Mike. That's Mike McDaniel's game, though. Is is he's a he's a spacing, he's a spacing and timing kind of guy. Uh, anything that he can do to change, change the space. Anything that he can do to change the timing, um, you know, that's he's he he explores those. That's where he gets creative. Yeah. And, and then, of course, obviously, uh, as we move on from from Tyndall, uh, oh, well, before we move on from Tyndall, um, does he challenge Atlanta Roberts toward the end of the year, maybe for some snaps? Does he play right away? What do you can you forecast? No, you know, what, what I, a snap count might look yeah, like this year. So, well, it, it's not so much about a land and Roberts to me, um, because I just don't know that. I mean, if people are looking to him to be that kind of player playing that role in this defense um, and on this team, then, you know, I think you might be setting yourself up for a little bit of disappointment. Um, so I, I think it's not that like, to me, he is, he's more of a will. He's more of a scrape linebacker. Like, you know, he's, he's that kind of guy. So when I say like, compare him to Jerome Baker, I'm really going to compare him to Jerome Baker because <laughs> they're, they're, they're very, uh, they're very similar. So like people are like, Oh no, he's going to be the new and Landon Roberts. Um, no, no, I, I, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, may, who know who, who ultimately knows, but, um, but no, I don't, not necessarily to me. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is Sam Aguavon played last year. He got 180 snaps, you know, and, um, and what's his name? Uh, Duke Riley. Yep. You know, he, he played a lot. Um, so, so we're talking about, we're talking about opportunities for him to get on the field. Um, and anything that Sam Aguavon can do, Duke Riley can do, or, or, or that Duke Riley can do. I'm pretty sure Channing Tindall because of his multifaceted game, I think he can do that. But when, when you're talking about a Landon Roberts, you know, played 17 games uh, for us last year and, you know, racked up 620 snaps. I don't think he plays that role. That's that's to me, but we'll see. All right. So moving on, it comes to pick 125 and yeah, yeah. the name called. And obviously, Wes Walker has something to do with this. 
because he's a right yeah, yeah. right eric ezukama and mm-hmm. by the way that's how you that he that's how you pronounce it because i just heard him pronounce his name yeah eric ezukama oh, by the way who's easy. who's a talker seems like a great kid i don't know too much about him i've seen his highlights i haven't watched him play too much Mm -hmm. i didn't see too much red raider football (laughs) uh you know what's the front page on this guy first of all i don't get this pick at all like where does what is this uh he's challenging preston williams for wide receiver four well where does that lead it's all the more uh you know weird if you think about that they traded Devonte parker for that future third round pick and then went ahead and used an early fourth on um on you know essentially the new Devonte parker because yeah. if you look at if you look at how he wins the the major difference between he and Devonte parker is um is that he uh, he can win after the catch a little bit more than Devonte did. I mean, some people really thought that Devonte Par- Parker was going to be good at that though, coming out of Louisville, mm-hmm. um, because you know he took a couple. He took a couple of those, um, you know, those mesh or those uh, those crosser um, catches, short short catches, and then he had all kinds of room in front of him, and so he you know used his speed and did all right. But but he was never really going to be elusive after the catch or powerful after the catch. Um, and that's where Ezekama really stands out, like as opposed to Devontae Parker is his power after the catch, you know, breaking tackles and um, and his, you know, make you miss type of ability. I mean, he's a jet sweep guy. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. that's how they, they use him. So um, and then there's also the high pointing, you know, kind of, contested catch aspect of his game that I think that is more uh, compares more, um, you know, explicitly uh, to Devonte Parker. So it's just weird. You know, you trade him, you trade away Devonte Parker for that third round pick, and then you use the fourth on Eric as And I, I, I guess, I guess as is going to be cheaper, but you know, he's not going to be as much of a sure thing as Devonte Parker. If, if you valued if that spot on the road, see, I, I, I speculated they were going to get rid of Devontae Parker because ultimately he's the fourth wide receiver. And are you going to give that guy $6 million, six right. and a half million, whatever it was. Yeah. Especially um, when he, one of them is going to be making 23. You know, and we are, t- and I even broke out the snap counts and I said, like, this is, this is how and why, and what you can, ex- this is what you can expect and how and why that you can expect that in the role that he, he has in this offense. It's like, you know, 200, two, two, 300 snaps, or something like that. And, um, and like, you know, two, 300 yards, maybe <laughs> it's like, are you, are you really interested in, in that being Devonte Parker with, you know, when you can get a third round pick for him instead? Yeah. So overall, I'm just you know, I'm a little curious about why, um, if, if they value that fourth position at the wide receiver enough to use that pick on as a conma, then, you know, maybe you could have just kept Devontae Parker and been a little bit more sure, certain of what you're getting. Uh, I mean, I get that as a comma could potentially fit the system better, um, but he's also just going to be a rookie. So uh, so it, it was a little little bit of a head scratcher to me. Yeah. And, and by the way, that pick says from Pittsburgh, that completes the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, doesn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, so it's Ariz- Eric Ezukama mm-hmm. and Austin Jackson. That's the net off of Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Uh, not great, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, they, they can't all be Larry Mutunsel, right? Well, you know, what I worry about with um with as a conma is, you know, yeah, it looks great and and he's there are these things that he can do and that's great, but but you still don't know that it's going to be any better than uh, what's his face, uh, for example, that we took in the third round um, um, from Rutgers. Hmm. Already, you don't you don't know who I'm talking about? Third round from Rutgers. Third, the come on, he's a he's a punchline at this point. Damn, third third round from Rutgers. I, I, I know, I know, but I, I'm trying to think. Third round from Rutgers. I can't believe we have already forgotten this guy's name. Well, he's from Rutgers. Yeah. Was, <laughs> that, that's usually what happens. It's Leontay Carew. Leontay Carew, yes. Well, yes. You, you truly have forgotten him. <laughs> um, we yeah, will always like, have that 60-yard touchdown against the Colts. Well, you remember they traded up for Leontay Carew, too. They yeah, that was insane. Him. That was terrible. Yeah um but uh yeah anyway like yeah you you just you just you just don't know you could be very bullish about a um a you know a rookie or a, a guy coming from college but you just don't ultimately know yeah um so i i, I don't know I'm, I'm a little curious about that like why why do the Devonte parker thing if you're going to do this i don't know but we'll see yeah now i watch a lot of college football Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and, but it turns out that maybe I'm watching too much SEC and ACC college football because mm-hmm. I wasn't so w- well versed on Eric Azukama. But when they <laughs> yeah. took Cameron Good, and by the way, this pick was traded four times till it got to Miami <laughs> at 224. So nobody wanted yeah. to pick at 224, evidently. Okay, Miami took Cameron Good. I don't know who the hell this guy is, but I know he's 24 years old and he's kind of what? He's an outside linebacker. I don't know anything about Cameron Good. Simon completely panned the pick. Oh, he hated so, him, huh? Yeah, so I don't know. You have uh, an opinion? I, yeah, he, I, I do remember him not saying great things uh, um, about him, like, you know, thinking that he was is um, stiff. Uh, do I like the pick? I, I Actually, I, I wouldn't – yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this kid, uh, if he gets some playing time. Really? Um, yeah, I, he's – He's very good. He's a very good athlete, and um, and he's you know got explosive qualities to him, and uh, and he's you know he's he's they he's a position in need. I mean, we're thinking about signing Melvin Ingram for a reason. Um, there's there's a chance you know a guy that in that position could play, mm-hmm. um, and I I think he can. I think he can play. I think he's uh, he's got qualities to him. I like the way he uses his hands. Um, I like the way his hand gets on the ball, like, you know, and when it comes to forced fumbles and, and stuff like that, um, it's, yeah. I'd be more sanguine on him, I think, than Simon was, mm. but um, yeah, so we'll see. And then, you know, Miami inexplicably, like, I, I, I don't know why they had to draft this guy. Like, I'm pretty sure if they really wanted him. A UDFA offer would have probably landed him. Although yeah. who knows, maybe, maybe. Maybe he had other offers and, and the Dolphins, you know, were tipped off that they had to use a draft pick on him. But using a draft pick on Skylar Thompson, uh, especially when we let, you know, the great Reed Sinet go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. First of all, there's no chance in hell Skylar Thompson is in the 53, right? Can we agree on that or? Uh, I hope not. 
right? There's no way he's going to be on the 53. They're not going to carry three quarterbacks, and you don't see him playing another position, do you? No, I mean, but nowadays, the, the way the practice practice squad has been integrated more mm-hmm. and, and deepened and stuff like that, then this is this is a guy that is intended to be on the practice squad. And, and, and he'll be there because, you know, nobody else is going to be – you know, in a hurry to try and steal him from us. Yeah, nobody's going to care, right? So, Although so he's going to play a lot in preseason. If he lights up preseason, he's gone, right? He's going to be somewhere yeah. else. I, I don't know. Look what they did to us with, with Reed Sinet. Reed Sinet had yeah. that one game against the Bengals, and they took him from us. Well, you know, that was a good game, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a, that throw. Oh, my God, what a throw. Oh, Who the yeah. hell caught that uh, pass, by the way? Who, I forget. Do you forget? Was it, was it Jakeem Graham? No, it was not Jakeem Grant. You remember the you know what I'm talking about, right? It, the the desperation throw that was caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a touchdown, who was that? Um, it was some guy that just got cut, right? I guess. May I take Haru? <laughs> I don't know. Let, let me let me. You know what? I'm, I'm I've gotten so curious. I'm gonna go on to check this out. Dolphins right. Bengals preseason. <laughs> Whoa, there it is. Twenty nine, twenty six. What a great, one of the greatest games ever played, man. One of, definitely. One of. Hunter Long had one catch for eight yards. Dude, it was the great Chris Myrick. How can we forget? Oh, it was Myrick. That's right. Yeah. Okay. 34 yards. Okay. Yeah. was a good one. Malcolm Perry was awesome in that game. So was Kirk Merrick. Remember Kyle Oxley had, had a bunch of catches in that game. Yeah. Five or 46. Yep. Jared Dokes had the old 16 carries. For 56 yards, which puts them and right there at, at 3.5 like yards per carry. The, well, this was a game where, um, where like this late come waiver claim, Khalil McLean wide receiver goes up there, like, and, and I mean, he looked genuinely good in the game. It was weird. And then, and then he, you know, of course, he, of course, he didn't make it like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dismissed, but absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Reed Sinet, 343 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. You know, we're still so we're supposed to be talking about Skylar Thompson and we're still stuck on reads in it. Well, That's which funny. begs the question why? I don't know. Why don't let reads in it go and then draft this guy in the seventh round? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you could have evidently you could go out there and you could find a reads in it, you know? And yeah. That's what you're trying to recreate, right? Yeah. Well, I don't, are you going to recreate reads in it? <laughs> who wouldn't? <laughs> who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want? Reed Sinet um, is right now. Who's the backup quarterback in Philadelphia? Because uh, I'm trying to find a way for Reed Sinet to is play it, is, an NFL is it game. Still, this year. Uh, is it still uh, what's his name? Is it is um shit? Eagles playing Jackson. Used to play in Jacksonville. Um, Gardner Minshew is he is he up there? No, nah, they're sending him away somewhere on a trip. Oh, they sent him away. I, right. I believe they. No, he's still there. Oh, he's still there. Okay. Yeah. He's still there. Reed Sinet is me, firmly third in that group. Yeah, but now he's going to be challenged because they gave a huge signing bonus and mm-hmm. as a UDFA to Carson Strong, who is, by the way, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the draft. The reason he went undrafted is because his knee is is like cobbled together like pieces of cotton. You know, yeah, it's, so, it's, yeah. So, Wheel, wheelchair bound quarterbacks yeah, don't usually get yeah. drafted high. 
Yeah. Or, or at all. And, um, yeah. and so, I mean, he's, he is far more, make no mistake. He's far more talented than, than what he ultimately ended up with. In fact, he's probably got the strongest arm in the draft and the best, I think that maybe, maybe the best overall throwing ability in terms of being able to do anything, you know, he wants with the football or having the confidence to do anything he wants with the football. Um, but yeah, he, he went to uh, Philadelphia for a very high signing bonus for a UDFA. And um, I think he got like 300,000 guaranteed or something. And, um, and so I, you know, Reed Sinet is not, not long for Philadelphia. So if we want him back, we're going to get him. <laughs> oh, you're, you're putting your mouth to God's ears, man. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, let's hope if we do nothing else this off season, let's get Reed Sinet back. It'll easily be the second best move of the off season. <laughs> All right. So UDFAs come around. Yeah. Yeah. And Zachary White, I I get him. I've seen him play. I kind of like him. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong with Cameron Harris, by the way. Do you know what's wrong with Cameron Harris? Is he on a roster yet, or is he still floating around in the ether? No idea. Okay, because I don't think he's anywhere else. But Simon seems to like Kellen Beach. He he thinks he can play and that he will play. Yeah, this year uh... maybe at and and he kind of prognosticates maybe at guard. Uh, I don't see it at guard. Okay. Also, because uh, because he's too tall. Um, he's he's a full he's a full he's over six foot seven. Yeah. Um, and you d- you don't usually see those guys at guard, and and it's there's a reason. There's there's a six foot seven that I can imagine at guard. You know, go back to uh, Leonard um, Leonard. Uh, what's his name? Uh, why am I forgetting all these dudes' names, man? Um, <laughs> Leonard Davis. Leonard Davis. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. there's, there's some, you know, huge guys you could see at guard moving inside a guard. Well, Leonard uh, Davis was their... technically uh, a building. It was just a building yeah. with legs. But and so you could see some of those guys. Um, but then there's six foot sevens that, you know, no, man, that's a tackle, <laughs> um, you know, because, because they're, you know, say too high, um, they're not going to be able to react quick, quickly enough and with enough anchor and power to, um, you know, to the, to things moving that much faster on the interior of the line than they do it at out in the edge with tackle and uh, pass rushers. Um, so I think that, you know, the, he's not the type of, he's not the six foot seven that I would see in at guard. I think the reason he went undrafted in the first place, even though he has great athleticism and feet, you know, not, you know, really great for a tackle. Um, even though he has that and a superb pass protection record uh, for the games that he started, it's because he's six foot seven and or over that, and he's clearly going to be a tackle um, because it doesn't look it doesn't look suited at all for guard. Um, but he's got thirty two inch arms, you know, like thirty two and a quarter inch or something like that arms, and that's not. You know, a lot of people just don't think that's going to cut it at tackle, period. So it's like, oh, you're only a tackle or anything, but you're not a tackle because you don't have the arms. And that's that's why he ultimately went undrafted. I happen to think that when uh, the Dolphins looked at him, I think that when Matt Winston, you know, uh, who's the ass- assistant director of college football, and you, you've talked about how he, he plays an incremental or instrumental role, sorry, um, in putting together the draft board. Yeah, um, and by the way, uh, just a, a little aside on that, 
uh, it seems uh, remember I had reporter on OnlyFans a couple uh, weeks ago that Matt Winston seems to have gotten a bump up. Mm-hmm. We now know why. It looks like Lenny McGill is leaving for the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So they're losing a regional scout. And I guess they're losing the regional scout because Lenny McGill was rumored forever to take, uh, well, to eventually have what Marvin Allen has now, which is the assistant GM job. Mm. So Lenny McGill goes, I guess Matt Winston is going to fill in as a regional scout. Well, I mean, he's, he's not just a regional scout, Matt Winston. He's a, Mm. he's the assistant director of the college. I mean, he's, he's the guy, I mean, he's, he's like, he's, he's a short step away from, basically what Chris Greer used to be. Right. Um, and so uh, I think that um, when he looks at a guy like, uh, like Kellen Deach, he's going to be reminded of his own brother, Eric, Eric Winston, um, mm-hmm. who is also a six foot seven guy. Who's also a 32 inch arms guy. Who was also a left tackle in college, but moved immediately to right tackle with and played Houston well Texans. for the Texans for a little while. Yeah, for the Houston Texans, he was uh, he was under um, uh, Kubiak uh, in the system that we run, and in fact, for his first three years in the NFL for that Houston Texans team, he was playing for Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel was on that staff. Um, and let so, me say one thing yeah. about Eric Winston uh, here at the University of Miami. Uh, Miami is famous for a lot of great left tackles. Uh, they have a couple of them in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Eric Winston was as good as any of them as a college player. Right. So, you know, and but, if you and, remember, Kellen Deach was an amazing left tackle at, at Arizona State. He was almost, un, he was almost unimpeachable uh, mm-hmm. as a left tackle at Arizona State. Um, after he transferred there because he couldn't he couldn't win the job, I think it, it's Texas A&M. Um, so so yeah, it, that's similar in that way. But also, you know, big tall guy, full six foot seven, built like a tackle, but you know, short arms, thirty two inch arms. Eric Winston had that as well. But you know, the mobility was such was so good, and the, you know, the feet were so good and so system ready i guess um for this particular system i mean he is he is absolutely tailor tailor made for it so yeah simon simon's right you know you could you could see him a play uh right away i don't you know i don't know if that will happen um but i don't see it being guard uh, and and if it does happen then something bad has happened you know like like that's that's my my you know my my reluctance here is uh, because if, if he's playing a left tackle, it means the Toronto Armstead has gotten injured again, you know, and if he's playing at right tackle, then it means that uh, they, they, they did continue with the Austin Jackson nonsense and then discovered it was nonsense. <laughs> uh, and, and so, and, and, you know, so that's either if we, if we do see Kellen Deach this year, it might not be a great sign. Um you know, on the other hand, I think the uh, the the UDFA offensive lineman to watch out also is Blaze Andrews from uh-huh. the Minnesota Minnesota Golden Gophers, and I think that that's he's a guy that started almost everywhere on the line. You know, right guard, left guard, right tackle, left tackle, um, significant numbers of games everywhere too. Uh, and he at guard, I've watched him play a lot of right guard. He reminds me a lot of like you know a Richie Incognito um or you know somebody like that and uh and he he played you know you could see him play zone plays you know you could see him on mm-hmm. zone running plays 
and he he does the job really well there um and he seems like a you know big strong dude like so he's he's not going to be overwhelmed with the physicality of the nfl whereas you know a lot of people that they think the weakness of kellen deach is is uh is he doesn't have enough core strength and those guys get in the nfl and it's like oh everybody has core strength um and so like you know i I think even a quicker impact might be felt from from that guy from out blaze so he's a he's a really good player all right anybody else uh in the udfa list that that kind of stands out no, not really. I mean, I, I think Simon went through um, went through some of them, and and you know he knew he knows them far better than I do anyway. But um, but yeah, I, I think the ones that stood out to me were really. I had a guy. I had a guy talk up uh, uh, Cater Kohu. The <laughs> that is such a made up name, and that's yeah. a made up college too. It's a it's a great name though, Cater Kohu. Wow, like you know what a great name. But I wouldn't know him like if, if if he was if he was backpedaling here in my office, I wouldn't know him. I would not know. <laughs> okay. But you know, hey, I mean if it was in yeah, full I'm sure, uniform, I'm sure somebody backpedaling. Would be. I'm sure if he was in full sure somebody, uniform lined up backpedaling in my I'm office. I'm sure some of these other guys will will impress. I mean, I'm just again, I my eyes are on the offensive line because that's that's where they've that's where they've left things really undone in a way that I'm, I'm not sure is ultimately going to be wise. Yeah. Well, there, there, there's a little bit of time here, you know, there, there's a little bit of time here and there is evidence to suggest that they're touching base with everybody who's ever played football before in the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, especially like if you've played at a high level. And I did say a while back, like they wanted that veteran presence. Evidently you saw what, what Calais Campbell got. They weren't going to pay that. Calais Campbell still has it, meaning his his agent is still getting him big fat checks. So <laughs> yeah. they weren't going to pay him that. But they've, you know, what do you think of? We know they've spoken to Melvin Ingram, but now Akeem Hicks, like that's an interesting one, right? Yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see whether that um, works out or not. Um, I've always been a big fan, uh, or a fairly big fan of his. Um, so you know, I can't complain about it. I, I like him. Um, I tend to think that, you know, ultimately they have John Jenkins and, and that might be what more, what they're looking for or what they're, what's going to, they're going to need and, and what's going to fit, but, um, well, you know, who knows? All right. Well, uh, tomorrow we will have a schedule. So I guess next week we'll, we'll proceed to bitch about it. Um, uh, as reported on OnlyFans, I guess I'll report it here. This is the first year, and I don't know what you think of this new disposition as a franchise. This is the first year in many where they have not lobbied for any concessions whatsoever on the on the the, the schedule. And as I was told, that their their record in achieving concessions on the schedule has been abysmal. So they decided not to try this season. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of like that, or you like your team to be out there? lobbying and crying for Sunday night football games. Honestly, I could care less. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, the, but honestly, you know, that's up to them. Like, obviously they felt completely ignored. So, you know, what the fuck? Who cares? Watch this year be the year where they get a ton of Sunday night football games. <laughs> All right. We can only hope. Right. All right. The next time we talk to you, we will have a schedule. I guess we'll talk about that. Or who knows? Maybe they send somebody else. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.